I bloody love an award ceremony, me. Oh, yeah. What? How come? How could you? What's not to love? The glitz, the glamour, getting to judge everyone and enjoy the awkward cringe moments while dropping chip crumbs down my front because I'm not there and I'm just sitting there watching it <laughs> in a dark room by myself. Okay. Bliss. <laughs> All right. So it's not it's not the celebration of the the storytelling and the aesthetics and the design and the actors who bear their souls to us on screen and the insights that we get into human nature and the ecstasy and the agony of the human condition and, and all that stuff. Boring! <laughs> <laughs> Chips, dresses, bubbles. <laughs> An absolute shade. Love that. Um, on that note, kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen and this is a special bonus episode of Newsable looking at the 2023 Academy Awards. Okay, let's crack straight into this. Here is a rundown of the major winner's drum roll. Imogen Wells, best picture was? Not Top Gun Maverick. It was everything, everywhere, all at once. Best director? (laughs) Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinhardt again for everything, everywhere, all at once. Best actress, please. Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis, surprise, surprise, from everything, everywhere, all at once. Yep, that was Michelle Yeoh, one best actress, and Jamie Lee Curtis, one supporting actress. Best actor? Brendan Fraser, The Whale, supporting actor. Kei Hoi Kwan from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Tenuous New Zealand Connection. Weta Workshop won uh, for the visual effects in Avatar, The Way of Water. Yeah, there's, always, there's always going to be a Kiwi, the Kiwi klaxon. Oh, oh, love it. That's not even that tenuous. Um, right, Stuff's Entertainment Editor is James Crute, and he's back with us. James, hello. Hello, how are you two doing? Did you enjoy the ceremony this afternoon? Yeah, it was great. We love the fashion. I mean, um, except we had a disagreement over Kate Blanchett. Oh, I hated okay. her dress. Seven Oscars for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Did you think it would win that many? Um, yes and no. I think if you'd asked me six weeks ago, I would have said no. But given the recent love for it across particularly the American awards, um, definitely the momentum seemed with them. Early in uh, Monday's ceremony, it did look like All Quiet on the Western Front may yet sweep in and steal the limelight. It picked up four in the end for the Netflix German World War One drama, if you like. Um, but the momentum seemed to shift, and I have to admit, when I saw Harrison Ford was presenting Best Picture, I thought this is going to be the moment that they bring together the two old mates from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom for that lovely last-minute moment. I didn't even think about that. It's glorious. Um, any big surprises from your point of view, James? I guess the shutouts, really. The fact that Elvis, Tar, the mm. Banshees of Inner Sheeran, and the Fablemans all went home with nothing. And I guess while, you know, Mm. it had been seen as a bit of a two-horse race, especially since the BAFTAs, in terms of All Quiet in the Western Front, getting into that sort of second position, um, I think the fact that that those movies, which were much vaunted, you know, earlier in the piece, have have wound up with nothing is quite interesting. And it perhaps reflects the way Mm. that... Uh, the Oscars were trying to position themselves more as a blockbuster kind of thing. I think the blockbusters like Top Gun Maverick and Avatar got their awards. It's those movies that everyone thought would that traditionally would have made quite a bit of money as well as winning Oscars mm. that, that have ended up with nothing. They, they did poorly at the box office. I think this is the second year in a row that 
the great fall festivals of Venice and Toronto have been shut out of the big pictures. Last year, Coda debuted at Sundance. This year, Everything Everywhere All at Once debuted at South by Southwest in Texas. They're movies that were out for or had been in the world for 12 months at least, and they were the ones that came through, which is not Mm -hmm. the traditional. That whole idea of momentum building from September is out the door now. Are all four acting winners were first-timers, but they've all had years of experience under their belt. Does that say anything to you as well? Yeah, I think it probably was. I mean, it was something like 15 newbies out of 20, something remarkable like that. Some of them, like Bill Nye, you sort of mm. wonder, how did they ever not get nominated before? Michelle Yeoh, how did she never get nominated before? Look, and if you want a tenuous New Zealand connection, she came here to film the Crouching Tiger sequel. But getting back to your point, I think that there is, you know, this is reward for a lot of love. I mean, the Brendan Fraser comeback story was so great. The Michelle Yeoh story was just fabulous. And, you know, there were great stories behind all those uh, acting winners. And, you know, I think there were so many shout outs to mums. It it just felt like a great loving, really. (laughs) James Croup, thank you so much, as always, for being so willing to chat all things movies and all things Oscars. No worries. Well, no one got slapped this year. Is that is that the surprise? Is that the biggest surprise of 2023 Oscars? Yeah, I mean, I think that there were plenty of people who were probably tuning in hoping that we might see a repeat of that. Um, but, uh, hey, bad luck. Although I did, I was intrigued to see this because I was wondering, Jimmy Kimmel was hosting this year, of course, and I was kind of wondering whether he would address the slap. Well, you got it, right? Well, <laughs> right up the top, he, he did just that. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor (laughs) and permitted to give a 19-minute long speech. You know what is so funny? Is I forgot that Will Smith won the Oscar (laughs) last year. The slap is all I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Wow, that's interesting. Really? Ah, <laughs> huh. that's his legacy. That's his legacy. His moves have grossed $100 billion. He's won an Oscar, but he'll always be that dude who slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> well, the slapper Smith. Well, have you ever wondered what an Oscars party in Hollywood is actually like? Wonder no more, you're about to find out. Alex Bringen is at the Roosevelt Hotel in LA, the location, incidentally, of the very first Academy Awards back in 1929. And he's on the line now. Kia ora. Hi, how are you? Very well, thanks. Right, well, I am picturing bowls of cocaine, a champagne fountain, Brad Pitt and Monica Bellucci impersonators doing a cabaret dance. Uh, Maybe there's a Siberian tiger playing jazz piano in the corner. Please tell me I'm right. That's basically it, yeah. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what's it like? Describe what it's like inside. I mean, it's a fantastic historic hotel, and it's just very old-school Hollywood glam, and it's it's where a lot of the stars stay because it is literally over the road to the Oscars, so they they walk down the the corridor and over the road and into the theatre and... We were here a couple of years ago and Rene Zellweger walks through the party that you're at. You know, it's it's cool. It's very cool. How did you find yourself there? Are you, you work in the business, do you? Yeah, so I make a lot of TV shows and produce some movies and 
happen to be here. We're doing a couple of productions with the likes of Warner Brothers over here. Happened to be here for uh, for meetings. Realized that this was on, and you know, you know the right people. Suddenly, you're at the right. Who? I mean, whose party is it? Are there any other? people there who would be familiar to our listeners or is that for kind of later on the night it's early days because the ceremony is yeah. still on over the road so it'll all, give it an hour it'll all kick off and it could be quite good fun. yeah well what's planned for the rest of the night like how does oscar's night normally play out oh it's it goes on a long time because it starts at yeah. four o'clock in the afternoon so all of a sudden um your your day gets away on you and it's you know, you you sort of lose track of time, and it's four o'clock in the afternoon. And you're three or four old fashions into your into your night, but it's only four thirty. <sighs> so, um, and so I don't even know what the time is now, but it's pretty early evening because it's still daylight outside. So give it another hour, and um, these things yeah. go on all night, and it's sort of one party to the next, to the next, to the next, and everyone is trying to be yeah. seen at the right one. I'm gl- I'm glad that you're on the old fashions, Ernest Hemingway will be happy about that. Um, hey Alex, look, this um this program is focusing on you know two main elements of the Oscars night, which is the films and the fashion. So I'm going to ask you, what's your favourite film that's up for consideration this year, and who do you think is the best dressed? I mean, for me, I'm I'm, I'm super commercial, and I. As a producer, I'm trying to make a hit that everyone watches. So in terms of a hit that everyone watches, it's got to be Top Gun Maverick, which has probably reignited cinema in, in people going and buying tickets and sitting in a theater. And it's it's a nostalgia piece. Yeah. The film, Tom Cruise is a, is, is a genius in some ways that he made a film that was the film everyone who saw the first one in the 80s brains tricked them into thinking that original film was because it's quite different to, to how you remember it and there's the Kenny Loggins soundtrack and there's Tom Cruise riding a motorbike you know in parallel with a jet fighter they never those two never those those two things never happen together in the original film but they do it in the second film and you you go oh yeah I've seen that before uh, but you haven't you know that stuff like that I think is really really clever because it's commercial yeah. and it's a big hit I know what you mean it's sort of the the idealized action movie sequel that everybody hopes for but you very rarely see yeah yeah it's genius the second part of that uh you're best dressed i mean what's your call for that or do you not really pay attention to that sort of thing i mean i want to say my wife um but i mean gosh i don't know i'm not an expert on dresses but there's an awful lot of incredible dresses here gosh where do you we'll go for your wife (laughs) better safe than sorry (laughs) All right, Alex, hey, thanks so much for for talking to me today. Have a great rest of your night and uh, take care of yourself, all right? Thank you. You're welcome. Of course, we couldn't talk about the Oscars without a bit of not red, red carpet fashion chat. So Ensemble Editor Zoe Walker-Awa is here. Kia ora, Zoe. Kia ora. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for being here. And let's just get right to the point. Who was best on the ground today? Well, I have to be honest, it was a bit of a... um beige downbeat red carpet so there wasn't really like a gag moment as my um fellow live blogger earlier today sammy would have said um but i really loved kate blanchett because she's been <sighs> focusing a lot on um you didn't like it oh, <laughs> oh my gosh i hated it <laughs> are you kidding me she could wear, she's amazing she can wear anything she's always the most elegant person on the red carpet i thought it was very elegant yes yeah. oh my gosh you're so wrong you're so wrong. I've got a list here. Great, <laughs> yucky, and WTF. And she's fallen under my WTF section. <laughs> it was like a 
There's a curtain. Are you kidding me? Oh my God, listen to this. Thankfully, this is a democracy, <laughs> so Zoe and I went on this one. What I liked about it, though, is that it was, I mean, it had a message. Like, she's been talking a lot about um, trying to change the culture of the red carpet and rewearing things and sustainability. And so her outfit was. Um, the top was from, it was this beautiful blue, or not so beautiful, according to you, Imogen, um, blue velvet top and then a black skirt. And the top was from the archives from Louis Vuitton. The skirt was made from sustainable silk. So there was it had a bit more meaning to it, which is what I like. Still didn't make it pretty, though. <laughs> La- Lady Gaga, any thoughts on Lady Gaga? Because she was wearing this sort of this black, sheer, yes. almost corpse bride-style yes. dress, which doesn't sound that flattering, but I thought she really pulled it off. It was very corpse bride. but um, So she was wearing Versace, right. and I thought she looked amazing. Um, it was actually quite simple for her, I thought, yeah. but I loved her makeup as well. It was like a full face of makeup, which, um, you know, I guess in the sea of beige that we saw today, mm. it was actually quite cool and mm. stood out. Mm. There was one beige that I did like, and that was Jamie Lee Curtis. I thought she looked absolutely <gasps> stunning. I mean, she's Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, she can do what she wants. She's the <laughs> chairwoman of the board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. And I also really liked, there was a lot of great menswear, so... Paul Mezcal. Yeah. Um, I thought he looked very cool. He looked very like he was going to the prom in the 70s or something, which I mm-hmm. liked. Yeah. And he was in Gucci. He looked, he had a real Irish wedding vibe going on there. <laughs> like, yes. uh, he had sort of a beige <laughs> a beige jacket, dinner jacket, yeah. and then these pants, very billowy, yeah. um, almost flared, flared pants. Yes. Yeah, I dug that. Very retro. And then a little corsage there. He looked very cool. Yeah. Did you see Pedro Pascal's baggy pants though? I mean, yeah, baggy pants, they're no, a thing. No, 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 no. <laughs> far too many reckons in this. Also, I don't know if this is going to be terrible of me as well, but Florence Pugh, what on earth was she wearing? Oh, my God, Emma, you're being so mean to no, everybody. No, I'm not. <laughs> I have to agree with you on that one. I wasn't. I usually love what she wears, but I didn't love this one. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I was like, what, who, why her? Rebecca, who um, also does Ensemble With Me, she loved it. It was one of her best dress. So, mm. you know, something for everyone. Mm. Were there any, other than obviously beige being the colour of choice, <laughs> were there any other trends that you noticed or picked up on? Lots of white dresses, actually. Um, and there were lots of flower details on dresses and that kind of thing, um, even on the men with the corsages. But I'm interested to see what everyone wears to the after parties. That's kind of what I'm more interested in because they're a bit cooler and a bit more casual and laid back and more it's like fun. The second wedding dress when, for the reception. Yes. Isn't it? yes. <laughs> oh, hey, I, 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 I wanted to do a low key bouquet for The Rock. Oh. Who I thought turned out pretty dashing. Because yes. like, it's tough for yes. the guys sometimes, right? Like, there's a lot of black tuxedos yes. every year, and there yes. always have been since the beginning of time. But The Rock yeah. came in in this um, sort of. Salmon. Salmon? Is it? Is it yeah. 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 The kind of it double was like breasted. Pe- salmon or peach like, in different yeah. photos, different yeah. lights. Yeah. But it was salmon very cool. infused with rust. Yeah. I mean, you know, gee, we can get pretentious <laughs> with these colours, can't we? But like, I, I thought he looked I thought he looked lovely, and Idris Alba is always, as always, I didn't see him. Yeah, no, he was. Like, oh, he's blue. Was he blue velvet? Yeah, Dark blue, blue velvet. velvet. I do. I do like when the men wear something that's not a black tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Although the Rock was wearing Dolce and Gabbana, which mm-hmm. I don't love having Dolce and Gabbana on the red carpet. But oh, okay, you're going to have to explain that. Well, they're just a little bit. Um, they have a history of being a bit problematic, and um, they had a lot of controversy being with racism in China, an event they did a few years ago. So they've really campaigned over the years to get back 
in the good books with celebrities, and they've probably spent a lot of money to mm. do that. Um, and there actually was quite a lot of Dolce at the Oscars, so it's working out for them. So it's working out for them. That's interesting. <laughs> biggest flop? Okay, well, big no biggest flop for me was not seeing Rihanna on the red carpet until much mm. later. She kind of she did walk the red carpet, but I wanted to see more of her. That's a positive way of saying a flop, I know. Yeah, no, that was, that was good. That was very, that was very diplomatic. Grand. All right, well, um, we'll check out the after-party photos uh, as well. And, um, well, we probably won't do those in this special Oscars episode, but we will definitely talk about them amongst ourselves. Uh, Zoe Walker-Alba, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this bonus Academy Awards episode of Newsable. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. If you enjoyed this episode, please do follow us on your favourite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. It helps other listeners discover the show and Tom Cruise will want you to do it. Tom Cruise would. You can also find us on social media. Follow us at NZ, or just hit us up directly if you've got something to say as well. You can email us at newsable at stuff.co.nz. Cheers. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support.